Stories, fables, ghostly tales. Welcome, lovely listeners. And as of this recording, it's a Tuesday. Almost 50% of your week is done. Fantastic. I hope your day is going great or your night is devilishly creepy. And today I wanted to share a fun fact about tea. Apparently, Britain is the second largest consumer of tea per capita, with Ireland being first. Goodness, I had no idea. Well, I hope you have a delicious tea with you right now or a hot beverage to accompany us and your two stories. Our first story is titled Chair by Colicun Redia which is a creepypasta involving a very comfortable chair. And my second short creepypasta story is Spectre by Matthew McCall. And I've got a link to the image that was attached to this creepypasta story. I'll include it in the show notes. So turn the lights off, the sound up, and get ready for something different. I was never at all superstitious. From what I can remember, I always looked at life from a practical sense. I was always in the present. I liked my practicality and realism. It was my favorite part of myself. I had a passion for interior design and home furnishings. I liked to think of myself as an artist. When I was not at work, I would often browse the internet. I had my own blog. I posted photos of my home and interior design and some of the artwork and interior designs my friends made. We would often collaborate on home projects. We were obsessed with it. One day, I went to my local IKEA to get some inspiration for a home project. I often went to IKEA to browse. I enjoyed getting lost in the endless hallways and rooms, each with a different setup to stimulate my imagination. I often imagined what a furniture piece would look like in my home, although I didn't have much money and it would be cheaper just to make one. I came across something very odd during my last visit to Ikea. It was nothing much to look at. It was a vintage high back chair with a wooden frame and dull white cushions on the seat and the back. This was odd because Ikea didn't sell chairs like this. As for me, I had a more modern taste. I never made or bought anything like this. I was curious and decided to get a closer look. It had a label, but it was not specific in the least. It read, The Chair. No logo, no brand, no price, nothing but The Chair. It did not look like it was very comfortable, but I was intrigued and decided to sit anyway. It was the most comfortable chair I had ever sat on in my life. I felt myself slowly mold into the chair. Despite this being unusual, since it was only a small wooden chair with sewn-on cushions, I could feel my body growing more and more tired. I didn't want to fall asleep in the middle of a store, so I tried to get up. My body wouldn't let me. My eyelids were beginning to close. I forced them open, but it was useless. I called for some assistance, but no one answered. In fact, no one seemed to notice me at all. I made another attempt to will my tired body out of the chair. My arms began to shake as I pushed on the armrest of the chair. 
I managed the strength to lift my body a few inches off the chair, but my fatigue got the best of me, and I slammed down on the chair, panting. I tried everything possible to keep myself awake, but my eyes began to close without me even noticing. I caught myself just in time. My eyes closed for only a millisecond. But when I opened my eyes again, I saw that the only people left were security guards and janitors. They still paid no attention to me. I turned to gaze out the window. I saw the moon and the empty parking lot. It was night time. The store was closed. I tried again to get myself out of the chair. I could not move. I screamed at the top of my lungs, which at this point was just a quiet cry. The janitor that was mopping the floor right next to me should have been able to hear me, but he remained unaware of my existence. The louder I screamed, the more tired I became, and I could feel my eyes closing again. There was nothing I could do. This time it felt like more time passed than a millisecond, maybe a minute or two. But when I awoke, there was no one. I looked around. All the furniture items had vanished apart from the chair I was sitting on. It was just a big empty warehouse. I looked out the window. The moon, the sky, and the parking lot had gone. My view was pitch black. It looked as if the windows were blacked out. At this point, I couldn't scream. I could barely move my mouth. I noticed a tingling in my lower back. I couldn't do anything but sit there in utter discomfort. I didn't want to close my eyes again. The discomfort only got worse. The tingling was felt under my arms and all through my back. My shirt felt as if it were attaching itself to my skin. My eyes would not close now. The discomfort drew on and on and on, until finally I drifted to sleep once again. I awoke to find that all the lights had gone out. I felt like I was being watched. I could no longer turn my head. A shiver ran down my spine and throughout my entire body. My mind ran rampant. I could not rationalize this. Utter terror was the only thing running through my head. I heard small scampering movements. I saw in the darkness what looked like a man standing there and staring at me. What was going on? The last time I fell asleep, I was not even aware. I had drifted out of consciousness, but when I woke up, I found Ikea's structure crumbling. The walls and floor had faded to a dirt yellow. There were various cracks and holes in the building, and out the window was the sun blaring at what seemed like triple what it normally emitted. There were no items on display, but there were a few shopping carts that were knocked over and gathering dust. I sat there in the chair for what seemed like weeks. There was no pain, but I knew I was being tortured. There is all kinds of torment, after all. I could not move. I could not turn my head. I was completely paralyzed. The only thing I could feel were the shivers and increasing pressure. I wanted to fall asleep, but I couldn't. I wanted to get out of the chair, but I couldn't. I sat there. My mind was racing, but my body lay completely motionless. The utter lack of motion was torture enough, and by the second, it just got more uncomfortable and more stiff. Eventually, after what felt like months, I managed to make a slight 
head turn. It turned into shaking. I could feel my body getting heavier, and I felt the wooden legs of the chair shaking. They began to crack, and after about three hours of uncontrollable shaking, the chair broke. My eyes closed for an instant, and when I opened I found that I was back in the store at the very instance I had sat on the chair. Everyone was staring at me. The chair lay there, its four legs snapped off, and the back was cracked. I could move again, and I could see an irritated young employee approaching me. Excuse me sir, you're going to have to pay for that. He told me. Yes, of course. I stammered. I looked at the tag again. This time, I read, Late 19th century French art, Nouveau Lily White Armchair, $2,250. I went to the counter and paid with my credit card. I asked him if he could throw the chair out for me. I told him that since it was broken, I had no use for it. He agreed. I raced out of that store and did not look back. I abandoned my car. I walked. I did not want to sit down at all. I tried my best to make sense of what I had just been through. It was too vivid for a dream, yet once I broke the chair, it was like nothing had happened. I found myself shaking still, and decided to stop for some chamomile tea for my nerves. I wanted to call my friends and tell them everything I'd been through, but I knew they wouldn't believe me. I knew of sleep paralysis, I researched the symptoms. They matched what I felt during my time in the chair. But there was nothing on the internet to explain the eyes, nor the changes in landscape between sleeps. I had my car towed. I live relatively far away. It was a long walk home. I was beginning to tire out. By the time I reached my neighborhood, it was dark out. I wanted to believe that it wasn't true. I wanted to rationalize. But that was no longer possible. I came across my friend Simon's house and decided to go in for a visit. Simon let me stay at his place for the night. I just told him that my car slid into a ditch and had to be towed, and that I was too tired to walk any further. Simon advised me to sit down, but I had refused. Simon then said he had to run to the store to buy some wood for a project. I did not want to be left alone, but I told myself it would be fine. I did not sit down at all. I pulled out my computer and decided to check my blog. I didn't know what to expect, but I always liked to check. I saw a post I'd never made before. It was a photo of the chair. You know which one I mean. There was a caption. This antique French armchair is so cozy you won't want to get up. You'll be so comfortable you'll lose track of time. I froze up, closed the lid on my laptop, and started to go to bed. I went upstairs to the guest room. I was still quite paranoid and afraid to rest, but I was growing more tired by the second, and maybe some rest would do some good. The guest room didn't have a bed. All it had was a vintage high-back chair with a wooden frame and dull white cushions on the seat and the back. I was too tired to resist. That is where I am now. It has been three days, though. Time is hard to tell.
Simon probably thought I had left and returned to my house, as he came into my room many times now and hasn't noticed me once. I know I will fall asleep soon. I can feel myself growing more and more tired every time I press a key. But I had to get my message across. You never know what can happen in life. You never know what to trust. If you take a seat, you may never get back up. I think it was 1998 when my family visited my mother's sister and her kids in North Yorkshire, England, for a week. My family lived in Ohio, but my mother's side of the family was from the UK. It was a fun trip, checking out the local sites and hanging out with my cousins. I was enjoying myself, at least until the Sunday towards the end of the outing. My entire family is Christian, so we went to the church my aunt and cousins go to that day. What initially struck me about the building the most was the architecture. It was a large gothic building that looked like it was from the medieval times, but according to my mum, was built in the late 1800s. Even as a seven-year-old kid, I could tell it truly was an impressive building. Looking back, I don't remember what the service was about. I just remember sitting around in chapel afterwards as my mother and aunt talked with some friends for a while. When I got bored of sitting and waiting, I looked around, examining the architecture. My eyes drifted around the room, but stopped when I spotted the man standing near the altar. The first thing I noticed about him was how tall and thin he was, almost inhumanly so. But it was too far away to tell for sure. He did tower well over anyone I'd ever seen, that's for sure. But that wasn't the weirdest thing about him. He was wearing a long black cloak with a hood. I couldn't see his legs or arms, so the only visible part was his face. Once again, I was too far away to see it in great detail, but it looked like he was wearing a white rag or a veil that obscured everything from below the eyes, which were the only human part of him I could see. His dark eyes stood out against his pale skin, hardly darker than the white veil. He immediately struck me as odd, even creepy but it didn't look like he was doing anything. He was simply standing there, looking around the room, just like I had been. I stared at him for about a minute, examining who had to have been the strangest person I had ever come across. Then, our eyes met. It was only for a fraction of a second. I lowered my eyes the instant I had seen that we made eye contact but that brief moment was enough to send me into a state of panic I was not prepared for. For that instant, I could see him looking at me. Fear struck me to my very core. My entire body got cold. My heart was racing in my chest. I don't know what it was about it that frightened me so much, but for whatever reason, I was absolutely terrified. I don't remember how long I was looking down, scared out of my wits. It could have been 10 seconds or two minutes. The entire time, I was sure that he was coming over to do who knew what. I was forced back into reality when I heard my mother say my name. I looked over at her and she said it was time to leave. It wasn't until we were almost out of that room that I dared to look back to where the man was standing. He was gone. I never told anybody about what had happened that day and I tried my best to forget about the whole experience myself. 
it wasn't until very recently that I even thought about the incident for the first time in several years. I'm in my 20s now, owning my own house and working a full-time job. I was thinking of something to do with my vacation time and it occurred to me that I could visit my cousin in England who had a wife and family. I Skyped him and we talked a little about things we could do if I went over. He was telling me that we could drive down to see Stonehenge when something tugged at the back of my mind. A repressed memory that was nearly two decades old at that point. I tried as nonchalantly as possible to ask him if he went to the same church he went to with his family back then. His brow furrowed slightly when I asked, as if he suspected something. No. Why do you ask? Oh, uh, no reason. I could tell from his facial expression that he wasn't satisfied with that answer. So my mind scrambled to think of a good lie, since he wouldn't have believed me if I told him the truth. It just... It just kind of creeped me out. I started recalling more about the day, and the emotions of that event came flooding back to me. I was so lost in my own thoughts that it took me a good 10 seconds to notice that he had said something. Sorry, what was that? I said, you saw the picture, didn't you? That wasn't what I was expecting. It seemed so random that it was actually able to snap me back to reality again. What picture? The newbie church photo. It occurred to me that that must have been the name of the church. But I was still completely lost. I have no idea what you're talking about. He gave me a weird look, then shrugged. Whatever, the point is, you won't have to worry about it. We talked for 10 more minutes or so, and the moment we wrapped it up and finished the call, I went to Google to look up Newbie Church Photo. I still get chills when I think about what I discovered. The picture was not hard to find. It was clear right away that the first picture to come up in my search was what he was talking about. I digged a little deeper and got some background for the photo. Apparently, in 1963, a reverend was taking photos in the church and something was in the picture of the altar. Although the image could have been replicated with certain methods at the time, its authenticity has never been confirmed nor debunked. I have sent in the image. Even after what I'd experienced, I still don't know what to think. All credit of this story goes to Matthew McCall. Nothing like some creepy pastors to start your day or end your night, right? And a big thank you to Colican Radia, the author of The Chair Story, and Matthew McCall, who's the author of Spectre. Both of these stories were just brilliant. Stay with me tomorrow because I'm going to do some listener stories. And speaking of stories, do you have some stories of your own? You do? Well, send them straight to me via storiesfablesghostlytales at gmail.com. And if you want to support this podcast because you're awesome, let a friend know that this podcast exists. And if you get a chance, leave an iTunes review. The more reviews, the better chance this podcast has in reaching more awesome listeners just like yourself. And as always, thank you if you're doing both or have done so in the past. I truly appreciate it. So stick with me tomorrow. And as always, till next time.